Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Lots of things happening this week. This is our first ever almost live recording of the podcast, mm. isn't it? It is. Um, We're doing it on, the, it's like breaking news. <laughs> AD, that's what you are. Do you remember her, news reporter? Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell you something else about my week, Trish? Oh, go on then. Yeah. Can I tell you about my lazy butt? Uh, your butt you're talking about your your buttocks your bottom yeah I've got a lazy oh. butt I've had oh, how do you know that who's <laughs> I'm not a lazy butt I have a lazy butt and uh, right how is that even a thing you like it when I share personal <laughs> things with you um my right glute doesn't work apparently oh I mean, the things you find out when you wow. try and do exercise okay okay and uh what were you trying to do when you discovered well, it couldn't work Stop thinking of any of those things. I'll tell you what I was trying to do. And this is why it's useful to women in midlife and anyone who wants to do exercise. If, you're, if your glutes don't work, your knees hurt, mm. which means you can't run. So the chronicle of the knee continues. So I was having terrible knee problems, which actually was nothing to do with the knee. It's all to do with the glute. I mean, isn't life strange? Lazy butt cause painful It knees. is. Hip bones connected to the thigh bones no, connected sorry. to the... <laughs> anyway, on with our comic relief special. Hello! Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. In today's episode, we have our very first postcards from Midlife News Review. In a week that kicked off on Monday with International Women's Day and is rounding off with Mother's Day, we thought we'd focus on the stories that we think are great for women. Yes, we're gearing up for Red Nose Day this coming Friday with our special guest, Emma Freud, who is executive producer of Comic Relief, a broadcaster, a columnist and a mother of four with her partner, Richard Curtis. We're going to have to get our funny on, Trish. Yeah, but that's I think we know that that's your department, Rain, and I'm I'm more about the laughter and boy did I smile and whoop for joy on Monday when the kids went back to school which of course is brilliant for them but also rather amazing for us so never mind the jab I have got my date very excited but getting them out of the house I haven't got my date oh I've got my date but is that are you going to bring up the fact that I'm a year older than you is that this is this the point in the show the the weekly point yeah Exactly. But I have to say, jab aside, very pleased about that. Um, Getting them out of the house is the thing for me that feels like we are finally on the road to some kind of normality. Yes, thank God for that. And talking of funny, the witty women of our Facebook group have been on fire this Mm. week, making me chuckle. We've had a very funny post from Helen on the subject of living with teens during lockdown. This is how she writes. I'm running a hotel in my house and I know you all are too. My guests are polite enough, I suppose but they certainly 
generally never tip well, except the occasional tip. It's the tip on how to do their laundry for them. Their rooms are impenetrable. My concierge duties are the least favourable of all. The desk bell rings and I need to be fluent in Wi-Fi, Zoom and the printer. Over 12 months, my supple fingers have quite clearly petrified into two clenched fists my once dependable 60 year old handyman has taken to his room i have done a day's worth of work before he emerges proudly at 11 to change a light bulb and of course most challenging of all i cannot seem to find the employee only areas of this establishment that's how we all feel isn't it Trish? <laughs> running a giant messy hotel yes messy dirty. oh god <laughs> definitely definitely well, the peace and quiet this week has been fantastic in our house, um, and especially knowing that when you go into the kitchen, you haven't got a few hours' work clearing up the bomb site that mm. all these little ones leave, which brings yes. joy to my eyes. Indeed. But well, as one door closes, another one opens. And in terms of parenting, that usually means there's another challenge on the horizon. So as this lockdown starts coming to an end and we get over those months of being cooped up together, we have to prepare for what's next, which could be our adolescent kids going completely haywire with their new found freedom. But we have some great advice on how to plan and manage this coming up later in the show in How to Win at Midlife. So this is the good news review. It feels like it's been a big news week. So we thought we'd share some of the stories we've discovered through our research as journalists. As believe it or not, there is a lot of good news out there. If you can get beyond the doom and gloom of uh, the COVID and Brexit reports and swerve your way around the royal family uh, soap opera. Um, so what have you discovered, Lorraine? Well, I wanted to bring you fabulous women in midlife and beyond. So I'm bringing you... Andy McDowell, fantastic mm -hmm. actress, 62. She's completely let her hair go grey. And she's mm -hmm. on the cover of um, ODA, O-D-D-A magazine this week, which was just so brilliant to see her there. While I'm watching her on the cover of that, looking amazing in Mew Mew, Toya Wilcox, <laughs> it's come into my world, age yes. 62, with, oh, she's got those little gaffer gaffer tapes over her nipples didn't she she's doing dancing oh. along on her instagram sophia loren is in vogue she's 82 mm -hmm. she looks amazing joan seymour is wandering up and down a beach in hawaii looking amazing she is 70 says it's all about pilates that's probably mm -hmm. helping her with her lazy butt problems anyway what's brilliant about it the good news about it is it's giving women a new voice we were sort mm. of invisible after the age of 40 for a while but actually we're not if you look you can find all these things that are very uplifting via andy mcdowell i discovered an author called anne lamott absolutely brilliant 64 year old she has written a book called dusk night dawn and it is all about seeing the up in everything the mm -hmm. positive in everything it's just about uplifting news which i think is really brilliant so have a look at that what have you found Trish? well actually interesting because i've been looking at, at younger women as well because i think there's some such important voices coming through there and this was sort of kicked off by did you see that amazing video of serena williams reading that reimagining of the rudyard Kipling poem If, um, which, well, this performance poet, a British performance poet called Deanna Roger wrote it and then Serena did it. And it's all about, you know, challenge, resilience, the power of women. It's really, really moving. Oh, so it's worth watching. And Deanna, I'd never heard of her before. And I, of course, I looked her up. And she's this amazing young black British poet whose mother is Scottish, her father is Jamaican. She performed at the London Olympics, Buckingham Palace. So, like you, I just feel like you kind of come across these women, don't you? And you want to yeah. find out more and I think it's really important that as we get older we don't stop listening to young women's voices we need
need to be out there listening to what younger people are thinking. And, you know, we've paved the way for them, but we want to see them getting on with it and getting out there and doing brilliant things. That brings me to what they're calling the she session, mm. as in recession, session. <laughs> so we started the week with International Women's Day. There were lots of surveys done. You and I were both working with Their World this week, mm-hmm. weren't we? It's a global education charity looking at educating girls around the world. And they found that after the pandemic, it looks like 11 million girls will not go back to school because they are needed at home and because their culture doesn't allow them, which was upsetting and shocking. But at least mm-hmm. we know about it and we can be doing something about it we can get involved in that we also learned this week that earnings are down for women 12 percent down for women but only six percent down for men and we also learned that a third of women don't talk about what happens to them during the menopause at work so there's been a lot of surveys around Mm. women and what's happening to women but i tell you what has been good about it is once you start talking about these things the warriors, the women warriors start the uprising and they start doing something about these things. What I wanted people to look at this week, if we could, was have a look at Mother Pucker on Instagram. So Anna Whitehouse is a journalist and radio presenter. She's working with the Trade Union Congress to make sure that women get equal pay and to make sure that we talk about flexible working. And actually, we've had good news on flexible working this week because Liz Truss has said it absolutely has to become part of the government's conversation. So actually, I think while we can all talk about how terrible it is and we know 71 percent of working mothers have not been furloughed so they haven't Mm -hmm. got they've asked for money and haven't got it so there's been a lot of issues and a lot of problems but there are a lot of warriors out there rising Mm -hmm. up and Mm -hmm. spreading the word of gender equality Mm -hmm. now i want to talk about men my third Mm -hmm. thing is we want to talk about men so mike gale the author who was a guest on the podcast has been given the Romantic Novelist Association's Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, now, this is something goodness. that often yes. goes to women. I mean, it's gone to Julie Cooper in the past. That's the kind of... But it just struck me, as we've talked about all the good news and the terrible news of this week, actually, around women, is what we need is, is those men. We need those mm. voices, don't we? The, his female yeah. characters are great. He's portrayed incredibly diverse families in the books he's written about. So All the Lonely People is fantastic, actually. It's very moving, his most recent book. But what we need is men and we need mm-hmm. to be reaching them don't we definitely do mike was such a lovely guest on the on the show wasn't yeah. he so it's well worth going back to that podcast and having a listen to what he has to say about being a midlife man now i had much excitement in the news this week that there's going to be a new tv series exploring the lives of the first ladies in the white house i mean oh, how exciting. amazing but just wait till you hear the lineup so we have gillian anderson playing eleanor roosevelt michelle uh-huh. pfeiffer playing Betty Ford, and Viola Davis playing Michelle Obama. Viola Davis, love her. She is fantastic. And playing her daughter, Malia, is that fabulous young actress called Lexi Underwood, who played Pearl, do you remember, in Little Fire? Oh, Little Fire, yeah. Brilliant. So anyway, the important thing to say here is, of course, that the women in the White House have done so much, and it's not talked about that often. You know, for for example, like Eleanor Roosevelt, she, she really transformed the kind of post of the First Lady. Now it's supposed to be this kind of activist incarnation. Yeah. There's been no mention of Melania at all and who might be playing her so maybe they might not be doing that episode but yes seriousness you know like Betty Ford she was a real outspoken supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment for women and took a kind of pro-choice position on abortion that really rankled some conservatives so I think oh, it's I just love these brilliant. warrior women exactly that is the theme on the front line on our behalf <laughs>
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time to meet our guest today, broadcaster Emma Freud, a mum of four, writer, director, producer, presenter, script editor, magazine columnist, activist and humanitarian. Emma is also one of the funniest women in Britain and it's a good job she's got such a quick wit because she's on the show in her capacity as executive producer of Red Nose Day, which happens on Friday this week. Together with her partner Richard Curtis, it would be true to say that Emma has been part of the cultural fabric of life for Gen X, entertaining us with classic films like Notting Hill, Love Actually, Four weddings and a funeral to name but a few her work with comic relief make poverty history and live eight earned her an obe and since it started in 1985 comic relief has raised more than 1.4 billion yes billion pounds and here to tell us how you can take part for 2021 is emma freud hi emma and welcome to postcards from midlife I want to kiss you, but you never let me in real life. I don't like being touched. I like the whole thing of no one coming anywhere near me during this time has been a delight for me. Anyway, here we are, Emma Freud, on Mother's Day, heading towards a special Red Nose Day. I guess you're not really getting any sleep at the moment. So I think it's time that as you are tired or overtired, you spill the beans and tell us about all the celebrities coming on on Friday. Do you not know that golden rule, if you're going to be a woman, Lorraine, which is that you never say to someone you look a bit tired? I didn't say you look tired. I you sort of did. <laughs> Rewind your tape and listen. You kind of really implied it. It wasn't like you haven't looked at me and then you said that. Stop avoiding the question. Who have we got coming up that you can tell us exclusively that I'll get very excited about? Okay. Not that I like to rely on a man for anything at all, but as I happen to have a man, don't leave. Come back. He's more in charge of the TV show. I'm more in charge of other things. So look, he can tell you he's my boyfriend while he's my current <laughs> Hello, Richard. Welcome Hello. to Postcards from Midlife. Richard Curtis has joined us. Yeah, with a kind of halo. It is. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you do deserve a halo. It's £1.4 billion, for God's sake. So who's well, coming well, on? Come on, tell us what's going on. I'm already excited. I think it will be fab. It's presented by, as it were, our A-team. It's presented by David Tennant. Davina McCall, Paddy McGuinness, Lenny, Alicia Dixon. Then actually, one of the coolest things is after the news, we've got a bit which is just giving away prizes. First time we've ever tried this. So people actually aren't donating from their hearts. They're donating because they want a Mazda. (laughs) And Amanda Holden (laughs) and Jason Lanford are doing that. Uh, And then during the night, we've got a special of staged, you know, the thing that um, Michael did where they're both dressed up as Shakespeare and Marlowe. But they're exactly the same. We've got a little special of the Vicar of Dibley. We've got a a real special I can't reveal now, but Mm. with one of the greatest stars in the history of television and one of the greatest stars in the history of movies coming together. Well, that's exciting. And then we've got some really cool kind of mashup multi-things. So we've got one Zoom sketch in which... 
Chris Martin is in it, Idris Elba's in it, Anya Taylor Joy, Olivia Coleman, Emma Thompson. So everyone, basically. yeah, there'll be there'll except be a... you, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. And then you know, there's no as usual the appeals. Even though we're in a way trying to make the appeals a bit more sort of thorough now, trying to explain how what Comic Relief does isn't just give money away, it's actually give money to people who then fix their own lives, you know, which Mm -hmm. is such an important thing. So you don't say you're empowering women to do the work, not saying, oh, it's up to us nice people to give them a bit of extra cash. So I think it's going to be a funny night. Justin Bieber is doing the first Ooh. ever performance of you. his new song. What? Yeah. Justin Bieber. Um, Do you know who he is, Trish? Do I have to explain? Of course him I know who okay. he is. I know all his songs. I could sing one for you. He will be great. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look, it's generally good. And you I hope. the best bit. What's the best bit? Uh, the, two, the two stars of Normal People. Yes. Remember that thing that we watched a year ago? Yes. All about now. Those two with the hot priest from Fleabag. Oh, yeah. Oh. Very good. Yeah, it is quite funny. Wait a second. Singing a song by Boyzone, which is what we always wanted them to do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's going to be fab. And I'm sure Em will say lots of other things about all the things we hope people will do in order to just raise a tenor because the tenor changes a life. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can go now. Okay, I'm off. Thank very you good very Steve. much for that. Bye, bye Richard. You're a gorgeous couple. You're gorgeous We've got together. quite a fun thing at the moment. The day after Red Nose Day, normally Saturday, I take okay. Richard away. We go away for a night in a hotel and just sleep and eat. But I can't do that this year. So I'm trying, I'm trying to work out how to do something special at home for the 24 mm. hours after six months of not sleeping. But yes, Twitter was incredible at coming up with ideas because it's not easy. You know, all the things you think will be really special. But but that night we are going for a sleepover in our spare room. Oh, (gasps) that's a good idea. Change of scene, change of scene. But listen, you guys, you've been working more than 30 years on comic relief. And it's probably true to say that we've all, you must have shed tears as well, watching it on Friday night and seeing the projects. But is there a story in particular that's really moved you over that time? Every time I go to a project, I find it moving. It's really hard not to be because... You know, you can write about it. You can write the voiceover for a film about it. You can edit the rushes of a film where we're spending money. You can do the press releases. But actually, when you're there, when you're in the room and the people you're meeting are running the domestic abuse Mm centres, they're running the centres for people with mental health issues, they're running the homes for men who've who are on the suicide watch list. They're running places to deal with, you know, the elderly and the autistic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're just so you're absolutely at the kind of centre of where community Mm -hmm. meets the benevolence of the country. And it's just amazing. So you're seeing these huge stacks of, you know, a thousand eggs. And then you've got a lady coming up saying, I'm from the Women's Refuge. We had 18 people arrive last night Mm -hmm. who are going to have to go into hiding. They're not allowed back in their houses by the police. We've got to feed them. We want to give them a really great breakfast. They've got kids with them. So it's amazing. It's an amazing and moving, beautiful experience. And also it's the absolute epitome of what we do brilliantly in this country, which is if you look at 30 years, 35 years now of comic relief, whenever the country has been at its worst Mm -hmm. economically, like whenever we've had recession or there's been, or during the Iraq war or whenever things were really down, 
comic relief income is really up. Wow. Fact in itself makes me want to well up. Mm. And this year, after a year of lockdown, I mean, last year we did the Big Night In. Did you see that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Children in Need. Three-hour show put together in three weeks, directed from our sitting room in Suffolk by Richard, using all the phones in the house mm-hmm. on FaceTime, pointing at different bits of the studio. Three-hour show, £74 million. Pounds. Amazing. That's amazing, isn't amazing. it? Amazing. Beginning of lockdown when everyone just went, I'm finding it tough, how they manage it. Yeah. We're here to talk about you in midlife because you are now, I guess, maybe further on than midlife, actually. I mean, we've known you for a long time. You're 59 now. Nearly 60. Yeah. So you were actually one of the women that helped me through my perimenopause and menopause. And you've said that since turning 50, you've grown into your skin, that the last decade has actually been, for you, a really moving and amazing time as a woman. How have you felt from 40 to 50, 50 to nearly 60 as a woman? Well, the same as I did when I said that to you before. Mm. (laughs) But I think in my 40s, I was really struggling with parenting. I had four children, had my last child at 41, and I, they're great and I love them. They're just phenomenal little humans. But I found the whole being the main carer thing massively challenging. I hadn't realised it was going to be like that. I think mm-hmm. something in my either stupid or optimist, over-optimistic feminist head when I was in my 20s, assumed that because it was now going to be the 80s and the 90s, I was going to be 50-50 parenting with whoever I joined up with. And I found a fantastic, you know, Richard Curtis, the loveliest person in the universe, as far as I can see. But it was still the era in which my children uh, and I, you know, grew up in. And it wasn't like that. It was about me. I mean, he was great, Mm -hmm. hands-on as a very, very busy man, filmmaker and charity worker. Mm. But it wasn't equal. I absolutely found that even though I'd been working completely solidly since the day that I left school, I got to my mid-30s and I was the one who was had to sort of stop working or work from home, which is really basically what I did after that, which is where Comic Relief was like the perfect because yeah. I could do it from home mostly, look after my kids, feel like I was a full-time mum and also feel like I was a sort of full-time employee at the same time. So it, that really worked for me. But it was an absolute shock. And I think it was throughout my 40s, I was still battling. And also I didn't know how to parent. I didn't know what to say to them as they got older and more interesting. My daughter got really, really sick and I really struggled with how to handle that situation she was sick for a long time like five years she was she was you know she could walk and then she was bedridden and then she would her mental health was was horrific that, that was from that. sort of 12 to 17 wasn't it so it was from quite a pivotal 14, time 14 yeah. to 19 really mm. yeah. so I was really struggling with a lot of that and then it was only I think when I turned 50 and they were getting a bit older and rather than being gorgeous and but confusing and challenging and you know in all the ways that you can't get into the head of a three-year-old when they're tantruming on the steps suddenly there was reason and there was argument that was understandable and we began having fun together and I think parenting in my 50s was a was so much more of a joy compared to in my 40s and now approaching 60 I mean lockdown with my kids it was so fantastic to have them at home they're Mm -hmm. they're the most interesting people I know and they live in my house that was such a treat how did you feel about aging I'm good about aging as a woman because you're on telly and you're a recognizable face and things so it's you know you're going to be looking in the mirror thinking about how you look when you are in places how do you feel about that I'm adamant about not having 
anti-aging surgery. I don't mind, you know, people getting breast jobs and nose jobs and all that sort of stuff. But I think when you're pretending that you haven't lived the life that you've lived on your face, you know, I mm-hmm. love you, Lorraine, and I love every wrinkle on that funny old face and <laughs> every smile line <laughs> and every chin. You know, there's a lot of them. I like all of them. And I, I haven't told to, you about my lazy butt yet. I'll tell you about that later. I don't want to not have any of those. Uh, you know, that's how you communicate who you are and what you are to me. And I don't want to pretend that I am someone who hasn't laughed as loud as I've laughed and, and you know, not put on sunscreen as many times as I've forgotten to put on sunscreen and, and all of yeah. that. So, you know, this is who I am. And it would feel dishonest of me to look in any other way. So, you know, on the basis of that, I don't really mind about aging much and your mum must be an incredible role model in that sense it is mother's day so let's have a a chat about your mum jill because she's 93 i mean that is incredible and i know you're you're very very close aren't you she was in all your videos in lockdown as well wasn't she taught her dancing and all sorts no she taught me tap dancing she's she's tap dance she took up tap dancing at 60 and now in her mid 90s she's really good at it there were 11 of our family in lockdown because I have my niece living with me as well and my daughter and my mum and we did tap dancing lessons every single day not very long ones like 15 (laughs) minutes but it was really great it was adorable and at the end of every week we'd sort of done a routine and then we'd move on to the next one she's really remarkable my mum this is my favorite story about my mum so when she was she was born in 27 so when she was 11 the war happened and she was evacuated her dad was a school teacher in London and they all got evacuated and she was evacuated to Oxford and the house that she was evacuated into was an old man with his brother and their housekeeper and a few months into being in that house she realized that the old man she was living with was C.S. Lewis yeah. He was known as Jack in the house. So she'd mm-hmm. had no idea, but she was reading one of his books and the housekeeper said, oh, you're reading one of Jack's books. And she went, mm-hmm. they're all Jack's books, aren't they? And she went, no, 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 yeah. Jack wrote it. And she went, no, 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 C.S. Lewis wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack is C.S. Lewis. So she lived there for years and he based the character of Lucy in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe oh. on my mum. So it was wow. pretty much the only young teenage girl that he knew. So that's cool. And her, also, weirdly, her best friend got evacuated with Tolstein. What? It's a sort yeah. of literary matchup thing. Yeah. Is that is that what's going get on here? Go to Watford. That's very, very um, cool. So there was that. And then she went to RADA and he paid for her to go to RADA. Mm. She became an actress and she married my dad and she was amazing. And then at the age of 60, she began a theatre company at 60 mm-hmm. in Suffolk, where we live. And she ran two theatres for 25 years, acting in the plays, producing them, running them, looking after the entire cast, cooking them a meal every week, cleaning out the loo. She always was really important mm-hmm. to her that you clean the loos, even if you were the boss. And uh, she's very deeply socialist in her heart. And she's just incredibly cool. And she gave up the theatre about six, seven, eight years ago. And she still regrets it. You know, she could mm-hmm. be doing it in her 90s. Amazing. She hasn't retired so young now. Yeah. So you had high profile parents and your yeah. kids have got high profile parents. How does that work in the family dynamic? Is there kind of a pressure to feel the sense to succeed, to achieve? Or how how do you keep your children focused on what they're good at and what they want to do? I don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) 
you know, you just muddle through, don't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, I was brought up. It's a big name, Freud. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a very big character. Clement Freud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as a child, I, my absolute ambition was to be a PA in a TV studio. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the most glamorous profession I could imagine. If I had a clipboard and I was allowed to be in the gallery, that was all I wanted. So I don't think we were massively filled full of you know mm-hmm. high achieving mm-hmm. ambitions he was an MP but I never wanted to be an MP and everything crossed my mind you know mm-hmm. so and but I think they muddled through as much as we muddled through I don't know I don't mm-hmm. know I mean I could ask exactly the same question of you and mm-hmm. I don't, you wouldn't know the answer either you mm-hmm. just you know parenting is too complicated and too yeah. long to be able to particularly have a plan yeah. but yeah. all four of my kids they're really different they've got their own interests and they pay very, very little heed, actually, to what Richard and I do. I mean, much less than I did to my parents. Mm. I think that's part of this generation. Yeah. You've got four, haven't you? So Scarlett, she's 24 now, your eldest, and then Jake's 23, Charlie's 19, Spike's 17. So yeah. they're all moving. What is your empty nest plan? What are you and Richard going to do when they're all... I can't wait. <laughs> See, you? I'm the opposite. I'm like desperately sad and hoping it never happens and that they might stay and live with me forever and ever weirdly I also want that yes <laughs> but mostly I want them to all leave for a bit so that Richard and I can have the kind of fantasy it's actually never going to happen adventures that in my dreams we're going to you know where we sell our house and we go and we get a little sexy rooftop flat somewhere cool and then we travel around the world and go on cruises with old grannies that's my plan <laughs> will you get married no 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 I need to keep him on his toes and also I'm waiting for David Tennant yeah <laughs> I think we're all waiting for David Tennant. You've also got quite a lot of pets. Why have you got all those pets? Explain me the rabbits, the cats, the hamsters, the whole situation. Look. Oh, it's a hedgehog. It's a hedgehog. It's a hedgehog. They are adorable, aren't they? That's you know, is he? Have you rescued him from somewhere? Isn't it weird? Everyone calls him a him. It's very much a oh, she. oh, okay. How do you sex a hedgehog? I have no idea. The lady who brought it to me said it's a girl. You don't. Oh, are you are you just looking after it, or are no? You... She's mine. She's your little pet. What is she called? Animal. Well, she was named by my ridiculous son Spike. Right. Why did you call our hedgehog Wheezy Jeff? <laughs> Funny name. Yeah, thanks. Funny name. What we gonna miss him when he goes on <laughs> Can't take we- your hedgehog travelling on a cruise Weezy- around the world, can you? Wheezy yeah. Jeff, is that Weezy what you said? Jeff, yeah. Weezy- oh, Weezy wow. Jeff. Okay. Lorraine, you look like you've had a nasty smell. I don't I'm not you know I grew up in a house full of every kind of animal you can possibly imagine so I know the realities of we had like hamsters they were allowed to run wild and rabbits and cats and dogs and my parents rescued animals basically so wherever you turned there was something furry that had no um well had a loose relationship with hygiene (laughs) I want to talk about midlife because I want to talk about you and knowing about HRT because your mum was on HRT for 40 years so you knew 45 years yeah so you know the benefits of it you were very helpful to me around it and you know about brain fog you know I think just from for our listeners who are all midlife women and some much younger some in their kind of early 40s what would you do differently looking back what could you tell women that would benefit for for them now as you're heading towards that big 6-0 it's a very good question well, I'm very good at asking them. Yeah, no, I'm impressed. 
I think it's a different journey for everybody. And I think yeah. that's one of the kind of glories in a way of being a woman is that it is a different journey for everybody. If there was one stock answer, it would be much less interesting. <laughs> because my mum had loved HRT, always said she would never have run, begun and run her theatre companies yeah. at 60 to 85 if she hadn't have had the HRT. But her energy mm-hmm. was and still is incredible. She swims every single day. My mum, she still tap dances, you know, she's and and she puts so much of that down to those pills. So I never had an issue with it in theory. And my doctor always mentioned that it's got so much better since she started doing it. My mum started doing it anyway in terms of cancer risks and all of that. So, you know, I never had that sort of issue with it. But I never had an issue with my menopause. I used to get the sweats, but because that was sort of all I got, I found them sort of hilarious. If the sweats had come with lots of other symptoms, they would have just been one of the awful things I was going through. As I didn't have the others, they were honestly, when you look at them objectively, they're quite fucking funny. You know, you're sitting there and suddenly you're a different colour and there's yeah. you're pouring down your entire body and then 10 minutes later you're fine again. It's sort of weird. And also the fact that I couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. And at that point I wasn't even thinking about HRT. Um, so, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't in my mind that I might control it, but something that isn't your fault, it doesn't happen when you are anxious, it doesn't happen when you are excited, it just happens when it wants to, um, made me feel sort of enjoyably helpless in the face of it. It's like, okay, come on, bring it on. I mean, I can't do anything about this anyway, you might as well laugh. Um, so that was all fine. And then my brain fog started and that was awful. Mm, and the the real regret I have is that I didn't go to my doctor a year earlier than I did because I had no idea that the brain fog was related to menopause and to be honest a a little part of me still isn't entirely sure that it is menopause a little part of me just thinks it's it's that my brain is fried from too much Mm, too much thinking yeah yeah or you know Mm. too much wild behavior when I was younger or too much Mm. not paying attention at school or I didn't do my homework or something that I did has meant that my my brain now doesn't have as many cells in it as it used to. So, but I'd like to think I'm being generous to myself in a way when I yeah. think it's the menopause and I, it's not my fault. But taking the pills that I do now certainly helps the brain fog. It hasn't fully helped it, but it's, I would say it's halved how bad it was. But I wish I'd done that bit earlier. That's about So that's your advice, isn't it? Just go as soon as you think these things might be affecting you. Yeah, and, and, and I you know. think also to try and see it for what it is and not to bundle it up with other issues in your life like I don't like how my skin looks I don't mm. like the fact yeah. that I'm older I don't like the fact that my kids are leaving home I don't like the fact that I've been asked to go part-time on my job because I'm older in the workplace now you know it, it it's its own issue and it has its own yeah. nightmares and its own everything and but I think the real problem is when you just go this is my life is shit and here's part mm-hmm. of it well it's not it's one part of something else you know well, that's what we say isn't it Trish we try to keep it positive and yeah upbeat a conversation because you sort that bit out everything is brilliant in, yeah. in midlife because you're so much more confident and you have yes as you've said before much less shame around your parenting and who you are and everything that's affecting you mm-hmm. and but also to- less trying to please isn't it it's yeah. that thing, and I had that really a lot in my 20s to 40s I would say of just endlessly trying to please absolutely everybody and then there comes a moment where you kind of go I'm not that much longer to mm-hmm. go I might as well do this for me 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and talking of you, I mean, you've got a lot of people in your life. You're so busy with all your projects. How do you look after yourself? What do you do that's nice just just for you, just for Emma, apart from stroking your hedgehog? I buy animals. Okay. <laughs> that is what I do. Okay. And every time I do, my family are horrified. <laughs> and I'd think, well, that's exactly how I feel every time you, you know, do those things that you do for you as well, actually. Yeah. Make that smell in the bathroom. Oh, you know, yeah. Whatever's going to be, go off and leave me on my own with the kids for a month. Yeah. If you've got, you know, a film to make, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't like that either. So welcome to the thing that you don't like about me and I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And what about things like exercise, yoga, anything like that? Are you, are you into it, that kind of thing? Uh, not yoga. I get a bit mm. bored in yoga, but I love me an exercise class. Mm-hmm. I really love, not on my own, but I love, what's Lorraine's face doing? I love a class with girlfriends. Never seen, mm-hmm. I don't see that in you somehow. Doing a class? Yeah. Oh, surely you do. You don't like being told what to do. Except I'm in a class. <laughs> and then I love it. I really The Jane do. Fonda element of it, the leggings and the... The tight, no, I'm very, car. very bad at the outfit. Very bad indeed. Um, as my daughter will tell you, I've done a lot of exercise with her. Uh, I, I'm, I'm shameful in that. I'm not good at clothes anyway. You know this. I'm wearing pajamas right now, not because I'm trying to be cute and on my way to bed, just because I didn't actually realise this shirt was a pajama shirt. I'm not good at that side of things, but I love structured exercise. 45 mm. minutes, really, really sweaty, especially if it's a bit dancey, especially if it's got really bad weights in it. And I'm quite good at it. And I'm, I didn't do any exercise at all till I was 35. So it's a whole new thing for me. I never, I'd never made a single team at school. I couldn't run for a bus. I wasn't fit in any way. And I discovered it when I got pregnant first time. And it's joy, a late found joy. Well, you'll be pleased to know that it stimulates. I read about this this week. There is a special hormone in our brain that creates brain cells and it's stimulated by exercise. And at any age, whether you're 80, 90, anything, it's going to make those brain cells grow. So good for your mum going swimming every day. That's fantastic. Are you saying I can exercise myself more intelligent? You can, yes. Exactly. Apparently, apparently, so. what well, do Sudoku or something? Uh, well, it's it's about putting mild stress on the body, whether that's through oh. exercise oh, or go through. Too far. I don't know. We we all end up with too much stress, I think. But a bit of mild stress is going to make those brain cells grow. So, so that's good to know, isn't it? But back to comic relief. Have you got a favourite sketch from all those years? Because I've been looking through some of them and the memories that have come up. George for Michael, me. just saying that. Doing carpool yeah. karaoke. Yeah, that began. Carpool karaoke. They oh, invented did it? that sketch for comic relief. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. What about you, Emma? Have you got one? Oh, I mean, so there's some absolute beauties this year, but I think Hugh Grant kissing Dawn French. Remember that one? Oh. <laughs> that was pretty perfect. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And the rehearsals for that were interesting. Oh, do you ever see Billy Connolly running naked around Piccadilly Circle? Oh. Love oh, Billy no. Connolly. He's just so good. I liked Catherine Tate being Lauren with Tony Blair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's in Tony Blair's office. I produced that one. So oh, did I was you? There. Yeah. Oh, and that's that brilliant. Was- 
that was probably 2,000 emails getting that one through the powers that be. Wow. Well, it was um, worth it. Worth it. Properly worth, worth it. it. Wasn't Tony Blair great in it? He was really good. Am I bothered? Am I bothered? That's <laughs> very good. On Friday, isn't it? And four pounds from all the T-shirts sold for Red Nose Day goes to, it'll be vulnerable children in the UK and those affected by COVID mainly this year, won't it? I tell you what I sometimes think with Comic Relief and all these big charity things is that sometimes as a mum, I get very upset and I get very overwhelmed and I think I just can't make a difference here. This, these problems are too big. It's too much. What's your kind of advice to everyone watching it? You, you can buy the T-shirt and you can buy the red nose, but you can also take part as well, can't you? How do you feel like the small things are as important as the big things? There are only the small things. There is no big thing. The only big thing is after this many years, you can add it up and go, it's been 1.4 yeah. billion. But it's been 1.4 billion single pounds that yeah. have been given by the British public to us as the custodians of 750 projects throughout the UK and the world that we have vetted and checked and monitored and discussed and chosen in order to make the biggest impact against mostly extreme poverty. So, and there only is the pound that a kid got because they sold a brownie to their teacher mm-hmm. and the teacher gave them a pound and they sent it into us. That is all we have and that is all that we are. You know, when, when, when people say you raise 1.4 billion pounds, we didn't give it. All we did was allow the British public watching to be able, hopefully easily and hopefully joyfully, to make mm-hmm. a contribution to things that every single person in this country feels are important, like homelessness, like, you know, slum dwelling, that it shouldn't happen anymore, like clean water, like people with Alzheimer's, like, you know, so there only are the small amounts. And the fact that four pounds from every single t-shirt comes to the charity, and of that four pounds, four pounds will go to our projects, Mm -hmm. is everything that we are. And with that four pounds, we can feed a family in the UK, four pounds by something like 250 pounds worth of food because it's given. So the four pounds section, the admin and the heating and the lighting in the warehouse where it'll be distributed and go on to the other people. The food itself was free, but four pounds will create 250 quids worth of food to go out to projects that will be working with people who are the most vulnerable people in our society, who if they came to your front door and knocked at your front door, you would also give them some food because Mm -hmm. these are people who through no fault of their own, mostly are or even if it was the fault of their own they're absolutely up against with their backs against the Mm -hmm. door so that's how I do it but I need to say one thing about the t-shirts on that Lorraine and that is you were so instrumental to the success of the money of the 24 million pounds that TK Maxx over the last 14 years have been able to give us through t-shirt sales you backed that campaign when you were editor of else with so much authenticity and so much genuine love you went so far and beyond <laughs> any newspaper editor <laughs> oh, she's ever done. quite <laughs> we got the really we, something we did quite a lot didn't we yeah we did a oh. lot yeah remember carl oh. lagerfeld we got carl lagerfeld to do his first ever charity t-shirt which at the time was quite difficult to organize because he only communicated with me via fax so and in <laughs> french so it was just so laborious and i just remember being there so late at night sometimes just trying to sit because he worked through the night he there were no mm. stopping him and we we had many designers make t-shirts didn't we 
what we did, I think, was raise the profile yeah, of making T-shirts, T-shirts, as opposed to just charity T-shirts. They became a very special, everything to do with the Comet Relief of Redner's Day is very special. So tell me a bit about Share a Smile, because I quite like this. You had, can put a poster in the window, because I'd quite like you to ring Tina Fey or maybe Amy Poehler to get me a, me a joke to put on my poster so that I win the joke thing, because I have to yeah. get a better joke than Trish, obviously. Write like your own <laughs> fucking joke, mate. So how does it work, Share a Smile? Because we can all take part in that can't we you can all take part in all of it but share a smile is a really easy bit look the problem this year is that huge amounts of the income that we have comes from schools and businesses and schools are only just back and they're slightly busy with trying to work out how to be back and businesses are mostly shut so that's a huge chunk of our core supporter base who are are not in a position where they're easily able to access each other and do you know a cake baking sale a dress up at work day you know that's a real problem we can try and counterbalance that by making the tv show even better by selling even more t-shirts by selling even more noses at sainsbury's all of those things but the other way that we can counterbalance that is just by encouraging people to have a nice time. And certainly like in our village in Suffolk, where no one's been able to go into anybody else's houses pretty much for the last year, everyone has now taken one of these Share a Smile posters, which you just download off our website, you don't have to send off them, drawn a joke on it and bunged it in their windows. And it means that when you walk down the street of our village, everyone's, just, everyone's got a joke and everyone's mm-hmm. sort of either laughing or kind of going, oh my God, is that the best joke that Trisha is able to do? <laughs> So it's really sweet and it just creates a bit of community. It doesn't raise us any money, but if it makes people feel kind of remember that it's Red yeah. Notes Day and feel yeah. good about us, then that's yeah. quite sweet. Well, we'll be doing that, Trish. Yes. So you've been doing this for 35 years. It's such an incredible legacy and a lifetime commitment. How far can you go with this? How much I longer quite like can to you do stop this? On Saturday. That's <laughs> Fair enough. I'm a bit tired and I want to get on with encouraging my children to leave home so I can <laughs> my I don't know. In you know, in my dreams, there's no need for us. And I'd love mm-hmm. to do a bit less. I'd love to hand over to you know younger, cooler who are more connected to this country. Richard's way too old to be doing what he's doing. He's got totally <laughs> grey hair. So oh. you know, I think it's very much time really for us to move on. But knowing him, that's not going to happen very soon. But also, mm-hmm. we've got Red Nose Day America now, so we're going to go and live in America in the summer for a year. Okay. And try and do a bit more on the Red Nose Day America work that we do and the United Nations work that Richard does. Change of scene, if not Great. a change of job. Thank you so much, Emma. It's just been amazing talking to you. We wish you so much luck with Friday. Have a great day off with Richard the next day. You deserve it. And we're going to be sharing all the information on our social media. And we're going to be trying our best to help you with our postcards from Midlife Audience raise as much money as we can. I love this. Thank you. Can we do it like every day? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it every day. it's how to win at midlife time and this week we're back on the subject of teenagers and there's a little worry that has been lurking at the back of our minds about how they're going to react to their newfound freedom as lockdown eases yes we do know that it's been really hard for them being cooped up at home we've lived through it with them and we've survived but the release of our teens into the wild does come with some worries they're desperate to see their friends stay out late go to parties experiment and they will feel like they deserve it because we do feel like that as grown-ups mm. as well don't we um and we can't wait to have a gin mm. disco in your house i've yes. already got my outfit sorted. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, the date is in the diary. The gin is being ordered. As you know, I live in Wandsworth. And last summer, I mean, goodness, there wasn't a patch mm. of the common that didn't have a group of teens sitting on it with cans of cider, fags, probably spliffs, pizza boxes strewn everywhere. And um, a year on and a much more restrictive lockdown later, I mean, I really do fear that last summer's shenanigans could just be the warm up act. And we have to yes. fit, factor in that they're all a year older as well, aren't they? Well, they're a year older and then the new ones are coming through. They've missed out on their birthdays and all the other milestones. So I think we really have to brace ourselves for this parenting challenge. We spoke to parenting coach Kai Graham. She's given us some great advice before on the podcast and she was really helpful with her comments to all the queries from our Facebook group. She's made me feel a bit calmer with her first tip, which is, uh, you know, we know it's going to happen, don't we? So we've got Mm. the benefit of foresight this time. We can prepare for it and we can ensure our teens have fun and stay safe because we do want them to have fun. Yeah, we do. Grow up. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. But we just don't want them to go over the top. So with that notion that we have the foresight, we need to start talking to our teens now. So we need to discuss curfews, parties, friendships, as as well as kind of keeping that conversation going about the exam and school pressures, because so much is still up in the air for them. It's important to gauge how they're feeling about the whole situation. And and bear in mind that it's going to be changing over the next few weeks, isn't it? As they get back to school, as other restrictions start to lift. So we need to start talking about boundaries, explain what we are and aren't okay with, you know, things like, are they allowed out during the week? And we need to talk to them, not just about our expectations, but theirs as well. So we need to listen to them and and validate each other's feelings. So your child is definitely going to want a freer reign and you will want to protect them. I mean, we've all been in this whole protection bubble for a year, really, haven't we, when you think about it? So it's trying to find somewhere in the middle that will be the win-win or the compromise. And and Kai says you'll get a whole lot more achieved if your teenager buys into the boundaries that you are setting for them. And if, if these issues are discussed beforehand in a calm environment there's less likelihood isn't there to be as much resistance and we need I think to be understanding they are going to go out that is what Mm. they are going to do they're not being demanding they're not being unrealistic they are not going to be impressed with any kind of rules or boundaries that is the nature of separation they're hardwired for independence at this age and they've been stuck with us they want to escape everything you say to them will feel unfair and a restriction but it's good to (laughs) say it in advance Mm -hmm. as you say in that calm environment and they will all think you're being unreasonable and they'll all be infuriated by Mm -hmm. what you say so you need to deal with that but remember they have been going stir crazy and at the same time they're experiencing neurological hormonal and physical changes it's a really rapid change for them at this stage of life yeah. So, and also, if you have a child, they're not all going to be wanting to no. race out because some of them. One of mine is not. Is right. really anxious and yes, nervous about yes. it. Actually, so they don't. They're kind of nervous about going back to school, and and it's because, probably because you've got that whole navigating friendships again, uh, all of that stuff that that goes with it, and social gatherings, and you know. So it's probably important to acknowledge that it might be hard for them, and um, letting them know that it's okay not to be over the moon about returning to the real world. And remember that all teenagers need space because they're developing at different rates. Yeah, we need to trust them, but we also need to give them consequences for their actions Mm. as well. You know, they're going to go out, they're going to make terrible mistakes, but they have to have boundaries. Otherwise, they're leaning against nothing. And that's really frightening Mm -hmm. for teenagers. They might surprise you. You might be able to trust them. All things might be brilliant. They need to know that there will be appropriate action taken, which is, I mean, we kind of say taking away phones. Mm. We say earlier curfews. We say less going out time. Um, When they make mistakes, that's good because they're building resilience. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to be there to help them with that. 
that, you've got to still be hugging them, even the feisty teenagers who don't want hugging. The best piece of advice I was given is if they do break rules, if they come back out of their faces, Mm. untalkable two hours late, do not talk to them at that moment because overnight they will process, their conscience will process what has happened and you can only really have a reasonable discussion the next day. There is no point ranting and raving. Um, If you are feeling overwhelmed, there are a few resources that I found as well. There's a podcast called The Psychology of Parenting with Lisa Demore, a teenage therapist. It's really good and it's specific about what to do after Mm -hmm. lockdown. Tanya Byron has written some great guides in The Times if you subscribe to that. Alicia Drummond um, has written a brilliant book from Teen Tips. She was on the show before, Why Every Parent Needs a Parrot. That's very helpful. And Anita Clear of the Positive Parenting Project put up an amazing video yesterday on how to show empathy with your teen who might be really anxious about going back out there again. I found it really helpful, actually. Mm -hmm. And go back and listen to what Philippa Perry told us, the parenting Mm -hmm. guru. I also suggest you re-watch Sex Education on Netflix. Mm -hmm. will give you an insight and there's a new podcast by gen z it's actually features them talking about all their thoughts feelings um it's called you don't know me by chloe comby brace yourself i was a little bit shocked Mm. but more than anything do not panic Yes, and do not judge. Do not judge. No. Do not panic. Well, I have to say, I'm feeling a whole lot better about the whole thing. If you want to find out more about Kai Graham, she has a brilliant book called The Teen Toolbox, and she also runs parenting courses and is very kindly offering postcards from midlife oh, listeners a 25% discount on her anxiety course. So, anyone struggling with a teenager who, or child who has anxiety issues and it's kind of affecting them and the family, if you use the code postcards, you will get it at a reduced price. And we're going to put the details, of course, of all of this on the Facebook group. Trish, you're going to set my boundaries and curfew <laughs> going out. You're definitely going to go here. I've got plans, but I haven't got a conscience and you can't trust me. <laughs> so it's going to be worse than teenagers. <laughs> ready for a little noodling Lorraine what's been making you feel nostalgic this week I've gone into a place that involves fluffy things Mm. having just talked about me not liking Mm. live fluffy things (laughs) but this is a fluffy things I am looking at slippers as Mm. status symbols now right right I was just clearing out my Mabel she's nine doesn't want to wear baby slippers anymore just donating them all to charity and it made me think about the snoopy slippers i had as a child in the Mm -hmm. 80s just enormous but then it made me think about which made me anxious and stressful the fact that they were kind of a a bit of a cachet of what you stood for when you went on sleepovers because you know you pack all your little bits Mm -hmm. for your first ever sleepovers i was always worried about what people would think of my slippers because in those (laughs) days you couldn't really be barefoot it wasn't a thing that was kind of really impolite in my mum's world and there was nothing to say about you with your socks but what your (laughs) slippers were like because i remember going to a friend's house and she she had the, I have my little Snoopy slippers and she had the Cabbage Patch doll oh, ones. Oh, right. So okay. she was, she was a bit cooler than me. Was she cooler were. than you? Yeah. Oh, they were I'm surely Snoopy trumps cab- Cabbage Patch Well, it would now. Down. I would it have It would thought. now. But at the time, I think it was hard to get a Cabbage Patch oh. doll slipper, what without the internet yeah. being invented and everything. Yeah. So. I think it's time to bring back Snoopy merchandise, don't you? Bring back yeah. Snoopy 
merchandise. I don't think there is any anymore. Do, we do need you want to, me to get you some Snoopy? Slippers? Well, I did have a Snoopy watch, which I absolutely adored. So, uh, and various other Snoopy paraphernalia. Definitely yeah. no cabbage patch nonsense. Stayed in my psyche. Definitely that no slippers yes, status. Maybe Very that's why strange. I went into fashion. Yeah. Tell me, where have you been? Well, I've been. I've stuck on the uh, comic relief theme, actually. <laughs> um, or as instructed in the instructions. Well, not really. Just more that it just when I was doing a bit of research this thing popped up and I was like oh my god I'd completely forgotten about it and it was from the very first Comet Relief and it was the charity single that they did and it was Bananarama oh, with lovely. French and Saunders and Kathy yes. Burke do you remember oh, that? Burke, I love her it's yes. so brilliant. You have Focus to Google it. the video. Right, so it's Help, the Beatles song. Yeah. And it's, um, so French and Saunders and Kathy Burke are dressed exactly the same and with the ha- same hair and makeup as the Bananas. And they're kind of trying to do this duet and it all just, you know, obviously it's all going chaos wrong and they can't sing. But they're wearing the most incredible spotty blouses with these black mini skirts. And I have to say they all look, Blooming fantastic. Yeah, you want that now, don't I you? I want Spotty that look. So I'm hat. saying go and look at that. And do you know what they were called? I don't think I can even pronounce this. I'm not going to pronounce this properly. They were called Laney Nananinu. <laughs> That's a very, very torn French. Yes. Thing to... <laughs> Trips off the tongue that one, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards for Midlife. Thanks listening if you enjoyed it please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know and remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too and we put all the things we mention on the podcast it's quite a lot of recommendations today on our private facebook group so don't forget to join our facebook group or follow us on instagram where we do weekly instagram lives with people who talk about midlife subjects you'd like to know about or you could email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com goodbye bye Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.